So on this episode coming up today, we've got George Bryant. We're going to talk about a lot of things, including how we all suck as entrepreneurs, how we have to slow down to speed up, and some of the biggest mistakes that George C. People make in e-commerce marketing. Stay tuned. It's going to be a good one. Hi, I'm Tim Jordan, and in every corner of the world, entrepreneurship is growing. So join me as I explore the stories of successes and failures. Listen in as I chat with the risk takers, the adventurous, and the entrepreneurial veterans. We all have a dream of living a life fulfilling our passions, and we want a business that doesn't make us punch a time clock, but instead runs around the clock in the AM and the PM. So get motivated, get inspired. You're listening to the AM PM podcast. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of AMPM Podcast. Today, we have a guest with us, George Bryant. And George is one of those guys that, unfortunately, I don't know. It seems like most of the people that I interview, like I have some sort of relationship with, I have some sort of um, you know story to tell about them, and a George, I have none of that. Basically, he, uh, he was referred over from Bradley Sutton, and Bradley said, hey, you need to get this guy on. So I'm actually in for as much a treat as all of you listeners, because... All of this is going to be new to me. You know, I don't have a preview of what we're going to talk about. So, uh, yeah, let's just jump right into it. George, tell us who you are, why you're here, and how you got here. Yeah, man, I'd love it. And it's nice because I've been internet stalking you for a couple of years, so I <laughs> oh, definitely no. get the one-up on this side. Um, yeah, so my name's George Bryant. You know, I say I help entrepreneurs ethically scale their businesses, and so... Uh, I've had quite a few years of experience in this e-commerce game. I was a food blogger, New York Times best-selling author, number one app in the world. Realized I hated cooking, <laughs> but developed a big <laughs> skill set for digital marketing. That, and that so, makes it really tough to like write food books. When oh you hate man, cooking. it was so hard. Like I had, I literally had millions of followers, five million website visits a month, and it took me about three years to realize that. I never really liked cooking. It was a vessel, like it was a transition for me out of the Marine Corps and, you know, healing my bulimia and teaching myself how to cook, but I despised it. And it took me losing almost 40 grand a month and uh, realizing that like, I'm never going to really like cooking and I hate dishes and I hate all of that. So it's time to let it go. And so I actually walked away from that company overnight. I just went dark on social media. I was like, million followers, I love you guys. I'm gone, disappeared. And I gave the company away as a Christmas present to a mastermind student. And then I started focusing on what I really, really was passionate about, which is you know, digital marketing, the psychology of marketing and all the different things. And so now I own nine companies, a um, couple supplement companies, a deodorant company, diaper bag company, a couple information marketing companies. And I spent all my time helping entrepreneurs with digital marketing uh, with a focus on you know, what I trademarked relationships beats algorithms, right? So adding value and being in a relationship with our customers, whether they give us their credit card or not, which normally has a fallout of doubling or tripling, you know, the business as usual because we're supporting people and what we promise. And so, you know, that's where I spend most of my time. I run a podcast, Mastermind, um, you know, some of the companies like Vital Proteins, Men's Health, on it, Adidas, NBA teams, you know, celebrities, they're my clients. And I do all their digital marketing strategies. So I kind of love ripping the, the hood off the vehicle and being like, here's everything I'm doing. Here's how I spent $26 million last month of somebody else's money. Don't make these mistakes and do this because they don't care. But it's really fun playing Monopoly with other people's money and then helping other people do the same thing. So that's the quickest intro I can give you. So I started writing notes and I gave up. That was just too much, too much stuff going on there. <laughs> so you just gave away your company? 
I did. I did. It's kind of nuts. Um, but but I have to ask. So like you said, you were losing forty thousand dollars a month. So did you give away a failing company? <laughs> was that no, a complete no. I bomb? gave away a very successful company, but I had so much resistance to it. Like it yeah. it was so not me that like I would just leave stuff on the table. I would keep overhead and bloat. I would you know just frivolously hire out. No strategy. No everything. And it was a multi seven figure company. But I would literally ignore it for two or three weeks and be like, I wonder why it's not making any money. Yep. And then I'd be like, oh, I'll handle it next month and I'll handle it next month. And, you know, I had to do a whole lot of soul searching and reflecting. And I spent uh, seven days in silence, actually, at a meditation retreat. And uh, I came out of it and I was like, this is going to kill me if I keep this. Like, this is the most incongruent thing. Like, I keep trying to write another chapter to this book, but I really just have to write the conclusion, ship it and like put it on the shelf and never read it again and start a new one. So very unpopular opinion amongst my friends and peers and, you know, people around me. And I was like, nope, I'm just going to give it away as a Christmas present have fun on social media. Enjoy. So, <laughs> Enjoy the followers. Just promise me you'll take care of them. You know, if you're slamming your hand in a car door, you're going to stop. Yep. Like if you put your, your hand on a hot stove, you're going to take it off. So why yep. do we as business owners like stick with failing businesses for so long? And I'll say I've done that a million times. Like, my first big business, it was a seven-figure business. It was a construction company. I was 24. I was working as a full-time firefighter, and I still had like 18 full-time employees, and I thought I was doing awesome. Even when my accountant kept saying, you're not making any money, you're not making any money, you can't even pay like your payroll taxes because there's no money, I couldn't shut it down. Like, why do we do that? Why do we just continue to torture ourselves? Yeah, it's a great question. So, you know, I don't want to speak for anybody else, but I'll speak for me. It's I had so much of my identity wrapped up in the success and failure of that company, right? Like all just straight ego. And so I was more committed to being right than I was committed to being profitable, right? Like I wanted to have the answers and be like, I didn't quit. Like I'll bleed to the last dollar. I'll figure yep. this out. But I was really just lying to myself and creating yep. distance, right? Because I really didn't want to be doing it. And so what I what I tended to what I tended to look at is you know I was very reactive right I was very much influenced by how the sales were that month how much engagement we were getting you know what our follower count was like what you know this did and this did and because of that it made me reactive as an entrepreneur right and you know we love that as entrepreneurs like we love uncertainty it's why we do what we do right um, but you have to be aware of it or it becomes a new addiction, right? It's always like, I got to go. I got a fire to fight. I got a problem to solve. And yep. It's like we live off of the the challenge and the struggle while it's killing yep. us. It's like yeah, we're exactly. inhaling poisonous air and we just can't stop. And it's so funny that you just said what you did because the, the most previous episode of this podcast that I recorded just by myself, like I was talking about three things that like I want to tell entrepreneurs. And one of them was we can't attach ourselves personally to the business. Like the business doesn't make us, we don't make the business, but it's a fallacy that we all fall under. And like people, have, you know, when, when someone tells us, hey, this isn't a good idea, you shouldn't launch this product, or you shouldn't do this. Like we want to prove them so wrong that we will literally kill ourselves trying to make it right instead of just gaining a little humility and saying, okay, maybe I have like some better things to do with my time. But that's the nature of an entrepreneur. And it's so dangerous and it's so frustrating. And usually it ends up being so humiliating, but like, that's just the way we are. And, and I don't know that there's really any way to change that except recognize it and maybe cut the cord sooner, but we still fall into that path every single day. Yeah, I think really what it was for me, it was a lesson that I, I needed to learn in business. I had you know a lot of success from the get-go and things seemed to click 
because of that kind of tenacity of like, I won't quit, I won't quit, I won't quit. But I really never figured out how to read the temperature gauge. And like this one might overheat or that check engine light's been on too long, yep. right? And kind of paying attention. And so, you know, when I learned that lesson, I started teaching, you know, my mastermind students and everybody else. And it's why I use a lighthouse as an analogy to describe business, right? Because lighthouses, they have to be planned forever because those things stand for 100 years, 150 years. They literally have to withstand hurricanes and gale force winds and they can never turn the light off, right? And that's the same analogy for business. And I tell people, what was happening is like, I would see 50 boats in the water and one would be 30 feet away and start to drown. And I would jump in the water to save them. But I didn't realize that I turned the light off and the other 49 boats lost their way because I changed that one. And I was like, I have to create content to create content. I have to create products that solve a problem and I can't be attached to the result. And the lesson I use is marksmanship, right? I was in the Marines for 12 years. And so, you know, there's this thing in marksmanship. If, you, if you've ever shot a rifle, if you stare at the target, you'll miss. Like that's just the yep. name of the game. And you have to look at your sights and your instruments and the target has to be blurry. And what I found in business and entrepreneurship, when we look at the problem or we look at the trigger, we tend to create more of it and exacerbate it rather than looking at what's underneath it or what caused it or didn't cause it and making an informed proactive decision. And so, you know, during most of everything I do, I have a 48 hour cooling off period. And like, you know, like the other day <laughs> we lost like 270 grand inventory ad account shut down. And I remember like the first 10 minutes, everyone's like, Oh my God, Oh my God, what do we do? I'm like, nothing. We'll talk about it in two days. And they're like, but I'm like, I'd rather lose a thousand dollars a day for two days than lose 50 grand permanently because we make a reactive decision. So let's sure. just take a step back. Let's look at all the levers on the table. Let's remove the emotion from it and come in clear headed and calm. And so, you know, to answer your question, what, what I tell people is, is the secret to success as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, or even in life is to increase what my buddy, uh, Scott Carney calls the wedge, the time between trigger and response, right? And so what typically happens is like an ad account will get shut down, we'll get a spam, we'll get a customer service complaint, we'll get, you know, Amazon will lose a product, they'll lose an entire pallet, you know, the 3PL doesn't fulfill, this doesn't go out, they recategorize, right? Like whatever the case is, is the trigger. And the quicker we can identify that it's a trigger and pause and literally have zero reaction until we're back to calm, like back to a, you know, rest and digest state, and choose the response is when we win. So that's what we call the wedge, right? Which is why I do like cold therapy every day and breath work every day, right? Because when you put your butt in a cold tub every day when you hate being cold and it suffers the same for 90 seconds, no matter what, you learn how to kind of sit in that resistance, right? But what we're really doing is training our autonomic nervous system to not be reactive. And same thing when I used to go into combat, right? Like Afghanistan, Somalia, Iraq. I was like, I don't understand why we train for 15 months for one day. And I was like, then I get there and I understand that when things hit the fan, that default level of training of like staying calm under pressure is what yeah. keeps us alive. And it's the same thing in entrepreneurship. And sometimes it feels like the same circumstances or kind of the gravity of the situation is the same. Like we're talking about paychecks and bills and mortgages. And I will tell you this, that nothing reactive will ever create a positive result. And I say this to my team all the time. I never want to create a permanent result based on a temporary emotion. So let's make sure that when we're making this action, that it's not predicated on like how crappy it feels or that that ad flopped or that that product flopped, that we're making it based on like, hey, we looked at it. 
this is a good decision to make. We're willing to to sleep in the bed that we make, right? If we decide to pull the product and there's fallback, then we're okay with that, right? But we're making very proactive choices. And so for me, the two secrets are awareness and always having a wedge, right? Like if I'm having anxiety or fears or nervousness, I never react. I'll tell my team, we have to wait, we have to wait. And then number two is having supportive people in my corner, right? Like yeah. having a group of people, a friend, uh, a mentor, an entrepreneur that kind of always gives that outside perspective because there's so many times as an entrepreneur, right? Like we did a, we did a product launch and this color for our diaper bag had been asked for for six months. And we're like, we're going to crush. We had like a thousand people like we wanted on day one. So, you know, we floated, you know, 500 grand in inventory and day one, we sold nine. And I was like, <laughs> Oh my God. Okay. And day two, I'm like, no, no, we're going to recover. And it was like seven. And I was like, Oh man. And I was like, we literally went with what they wanted and we made this big decision and it flopped. We never pulled it, but we looked at it and we're like, okay, we can't put our eggs in a basket. What did we miss? And, and kind of just looking at the situation for what it is, right? There's just a ton of events or levers on the table. And when you can remove yourself emotionally from that because you have a good support system or feedback loop or be like, hey, nope, let's breathe on it. Or you got to see it differently or don't make a reaction. You basically can see the path, right? You can see the mistakes that were made. You can see the holes that were there. And then you can plug them and try to do something different in the future. And so right. it's something I spent a lot of time working on. So let me pause you for a second. Because, dude, I'm, I'm picking up what you're putting down. Like, I'm all over it. I tell people all the time, like, you have to slow down to speed up, right? Yeah. Like, there, there's so much of what you're saying that's true. But I can't help but notice that everything that you're saying, you learned over a long period of time. And yep. the same mistake that you made, I've made all of them. Like I've done the exact same things, but it was like the school of hard knocks that had to teach me that. And, you know, especially like aspiring entrepreneurs, people that are just getting started, people that haven't encountered all of these hurdles, which, you know, I tell people all the time, the hurdles, the struggles, that's just an education. You, you need those things sometimes. But like, if you're just getting into it, how do you identify those problems to know how to react to them? Because my problem is in the past, like hindsight's twenty twenty. So I start yeah. a business, start a venture, I start a launch, I start a relationship, I kill a relationship. And I don't realize till like six months later or six weeks later or whatever, like, holy crap, that was stupid. Like I should have never done that. So if you could like speak to yourself when you first started your business, how would you like coach yourself to start noticing some of those things? Some of those things that like, that I would say, you know, I don't even know how I would describe it to myself because it, it takes so much time and experience picking those things up. Now I'm to the point where I get into a relationship, like a business relationship, that's going to fail. I know it instantly. Like I have that one little thought, that one little indication, that little sick feeling in my stomach. But now I know how to recognize it. It's like, have you ever had kidney stones? Uh, yeah, I did. I got them in Afghanistan drinking too many energy drinks. They're the freaking worst, right? And yeah. the first kidney stone I had, I thought I had to take a dump. Like my college roommate walks into the bathroom to check on me. I am naked because I'm sweating and I'm hot and I'm so miserable. I'm naked sitting on the toilet trying to poop and I can't poop, right? And I can't believe I'm talking about poop on this podcast. It's all right. And I'm in so much pain. I don't know what to do. I literally passed out from the pain, woke up in the hospital. They had to call an ambulance, get me like my kidneys actually shut down. It was so bad. They had to do surgery. Now, like I'm five or six kidney stones in when that first little like twinge hits me, boom, straight to the hospital. Cause I know what's coming. Right. But how do you describe the pain of a kidney stone to somebody that's never experienced it before? So in business, like how do we coach people to avoid these traps when they don't even know what they're looking for or what it feels like? Or do they just have to have the kidney stones? Do they have to be miserable three times before they start to recognize those pain points? 
No, no. And I love it. It's such a good question. And, you know, part of my answer is in what you said in the beginning. And I think it's the trap of entrepreneurship, right? Like what we'll do is we focus so much on like productivity hacks and hustling harder and doing more, right? <laughs> yep. And everybody will tell you like, create more space to do more, create more space to do more. And you end up going super wide and never yep. deep. And then it's just an overloading amount of triggers and stimulus that you can't really statistically significantly make a decision based on, right? And so um, I'd say the number one mistake I see any entrepreneur make is a lack of space, right? And uh, Keith Cunningham talks about in this. In what do you book, mean by space? Explain that. So um, reflection time, right? So like you and I, for example, we've learned some a lot of lessons and we have kind of that spidey sense in our gut, right? But the thing is, is that the only reason we can feel that is because in the morning we take two hours of just me time with no computer, no social media, just to track, check in and see how we feel, right? And what I find is that most business owners and entrepreneurs, they lose the game because the moment they have that feeling or they feel like something's wrong or there's a potential to be there, they'll press the gas pedal and they'll accelerate before they know where the road is rather than just kind of like sitting back and observing for a little bit of time. And so, you know, what I tell people is, um, you know, coaches don't make Olympians. Olympians created themselves. Coaches just help see their blind spots, right? And I tell people this all the time. You know, I could be like, name me a gold medalist, right? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, well, of course they won gold. And I'm like, name me one that doesn't have a coach. Like, I can't. I'm like, great. Name me one of their coaches that has a gold medal. They're like, I can't. I'm like, yes, you don't have to have won the game to see it. But you need to surround yourself with people that have been in the game and are further along than you are not underneath you, you know, trying to pull you down like the Mexican crab pot analogy, right? Like you got to be really yeah. intentional about where you spend your time, because if you're hanging around all the people that are at the same level of you and you start to like kind of climb out and they don't, they're going to pull you right back into that pot. Yep. And you got to make sure that you're giving yourself the time and the space to respect yourself, respect your business and respect your intuition. And so like for me, um, I wake up at 4 a.m. every day and I don't have any outside contact with the world until 9 a.m. every day. So the first five hours of my day is probably two hours of solo time, like no phone, no email, just at most my thoughts, a pen, a paper, and a book, and then family time, right? My son, my daughter, my wife. And then once all those wickets are hit, then I come into the world, right? Like I open my email, I get on social, I do the work that I need to do. But because I spend so much time alone, I mean, I could get hit with like, you know, World War III and it wouldn't affect me, right? And so I stay kind of in charge and intentional of my day. And then if I ever during my day feel overwhelmed or like my favorite one, right? Because we've been through this so many times, like running nine companies, like there's days where I'm like, why did I do this? What am I doing? And if I ever feel that kind of out of control, I hit the pause button and I'll clear my schedule and I'll spend an hour, like literally just sitting in nothing, thinking and reflecting like, yep. and I ask myself the hard con conversations, right? So, you know, if I had to go back to my beginning days as an entrepreneur, um, the two pieces of advice that I would give myself is give myself more space and ask myself harder questions, right? So I'll look at it and I'll be like, oh man, that product launch flopped. And I'll be like, well, this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do. But I haven't given it the time to marinate, right? Like I haven't given it the time yeah. to explore the level. So I'll write down on my notebook, you know, why did it flop? And then I'll just sit there and whatever comes out, I'll write and I'll write and I'll write and I'll write. And then normally by the end of it, I'm like, well, yeah, because I missed like 90% of the game. Look. And then it's like crystal clear. And it's the same when I'm helping people, like when they're writing ad copy or if they're writing subject lines for emails or social media posts, everyone's like, how do I write a headline? I'm like, you don't write one, you write 50. 
Yep. And normally the last five are the ones that are gold because you're so uncomfortable because you kind of work through all the surfacey, you know, transactional ones that you have, but you give yourself the time to practice, but it all comes with space, right? Yep. And all so right. that reflective time is really important. Let me pause you for a second. You're like running down all these great thought trains that I love, but I need to circle back on something. Um, yeah. You're talking about like taking time, space, the wedge, you know, measure twice, cut once was my grandpa's, yeah. you know, old saying all the time. That to me seems super counterintuitive to what we hear all the time. Like in the entrepreneur space, everybody's like hustle harder, work 25 hours a week. Like if you're, you know, the old Ricky Bobby, if you're not first, you're last, you know, and, and I think that sometimes, at least myself, I confuse like a, a lack of action with, you know, taking it easy and like, like not being too reactionary. I have a little bit of a hard time with that, but I, I couldn't agree more with what you're saying, even though it's counterintuitive to everything. Like if you work too hard, you burn yourself out. And thinking about like truck drivers, the reason truck drivers aren't allowed to drive 18 hours a day is they make mistakes right? Like no matter what we think, if we are waking up at three in the morning, start checking our emails and working till midnight, like we're going to fail at everything we do. And what I tell, and, and I, I tell people this all the time, like with their, for some reason, I don't know why, but Amazon PPC pops to mind. Like people get so deep in the weeds. They're like, I have got to, to optimize my PPC ads to save myself two and a half percent a cost, or it's a failure. And like, I, I kind of look at them like, are you crazy? If the difference between success and failure is two and a half percent ACOS, you picked the wrong dang product. Like the problem is bigger than this. So I tell people all the time, like, if you think you have to work 18, 19, 20 hours a day, the problem isn't that you don't have enough hours, it's you're doing it wrong. Yep. Either you've tried to take on too much, you're not delegating, you're not outsourcing, you're making too many mistakes that you've got to fix. Like the problem is not the immediate problem. The problem is like more underlying. And it's so hard for me to explain that to people. It's so hard for me also to, to remember that myself. You know, I know that we shouldn't be reactionary, but man, you send, I look at one email and I get all torqued up and I'm like ready to slam doors and punch my hand through the wall, you know, but the yep. next minute I'm on with my coaching students, I'm like, yeah, just slow down. Don't overreact, <laughs> you know, like what the crap. We're masters at giving the advice that we need ourselves, right? That's Dude. why we teach it so much. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, um, one of my really dear friends, Jeff Spencer, he's, uh, he's responsible for over a hundred gold medals. He's an Olympic athlete. He was Lance Armstrong's coach, Tiger Woods coach. Right. And he comes and speaks to all my masterminds and he's been a mentor of mine for a long time. And he always says this one thing. He's like, the only reason Olympians are Olympians is because they have what's called temperance. And he's like, you think that when they're training every day that they're putting out 95%, 99%. Nope. And he's like, but they're not, they always stop at 70 so they can do 70 again tomorrow and 70 again the next day and 70 again the next day. And then when it comes to competition, they can give it their all recover and get back into training. And with entrepreneurs, what I see all the time is that we see all this advice perpetuated, right? We see all these people teaching it to hustle harder, to boom, 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 but they're teaching their after state to people way, way, way in their before state and people are trying to mimic it, right? So people come to me like, oh, I remember you did this with Vital Proteins. I want to be just like them. I'm like, great. Go to Wayback Machine and look at the website on day one. Compare it to that, right? And you need to make sure that you're playing on the right field and the same time, right? And so, yeah, it's really easy for somebody else to be like, yeah, be on eight social media platforms with your team of five, right? But they didn't start on eight. They started on one and they went yep. deep, 
all the way deep because I would rather give 100% of effort to one platform than 20% of effort to five platforms and expect some 100% result, right? And so it really, really comes down to intentionality and focus. And when we think about this, and Tim, I know you've seen this tons of times. It's like, everyone's like, oh, that overnight success, that overnight success. I'm like, no, they there is no trying a new success. product. Yeah. And then once they found the one that had the legs, they went all in on that leg and then they earned the right to line extension it. They earned the right to change an entry point, right? But it wasn't like, oh, I have 86 products today. Like, no, they started with one or two. Yep. And that one and that, that first successful product was probably like, the predecessor to that was 15 failed products. Oh like, my God. It's it, and, and that's like a fallacy that we have too, is like we compare ourselves to other people. Like as entrepreneurs, we compare ourselves, not just to the messaging out there, like, you know, the, the Lambo get rich quick thing, but also like the stay at home mom that's making another $150,000 a year selling on, you know, Pinterest or Etsy or whatever it is. Right. And we compare ourselves like, well, I, I just must suck. Like there must be something wrong with me for not being able to do that. But what you don't see is like, the failed attempts before that and the support structure that they have. Like you talked about that earlier, like you have to surround yourself with support structure because here's the thing, here, here's, here's what I've, I'm pretty much come to notice. We all suck, like everybody sucks. Everybody is terrible at most things. Most of us have a few things we're good at, but we make up for those things we suck at by hard work, you know, outworking our competitors, learning, being teachable, having some humility and realizing we don't always know what's best, which is tough. And like blending that with the entrepreneurial spirit, which is like, I can do anything. So it's like, like we as entrepreneurs want to be able to say, Hey, I can take on any hurdle. I can do this. I can do this. Like, but what we have to remember and understand, and like, those of you are listening, remember this, like, we don't know it all. I remember my first child, holy crap, did that wreck my life? Like it was like, took my life and like threw it down on the ground and splattered it like a watermelon. Like my whole life was upside down. And I'm in this like, intense battle with my sanity with this child that you know won't sleep and it's screaming and my wife's emotional and angry all the time and like my schedule's screwed up and i remember like somebody trying to give my wife advice on getting the baby to sleep and you know what she said and if she ever hears this she'll kill me and all the women listening to this for like one second you're gonna get mad at me for saying this but she looked at me and she said i'm tired of people giving me advice on my baby because it's my baby i know best and I should have kept my mouth shut. And I said, no, you don't know best. You've never done this. You've never been a mother. You've never raised a child. You're all brand new at this. What makes you think you know best? And man, the look she gave me like burned my brain. And I don't think she talked to me for two days. And like, it was really hard to hear that. And is it true that a mother cares more for her baby than anyone else in the world? Yes. Does a mother want, you know, the best for the baby more than, yes. But it's, I think it's wrong to say that somebody brand new at something is going to know best. So when we look at like those of us that are entrepreneurs, like we do the same thing. We think, you know, like, like we've got the tenacity, we've got the zeal, we've got the fire, but we can't confuse that with knowing it all. Like we can have that fire, but we have to go on this realizing I don't, I don't freaking have a clue what I'm doing. Like I'm a complete rookie. Like mothers can love their babies, but I think they need to take a step back and read some books and like ask people that have raised children, like, how do I do this? And that's tough because we as entrepreneurs are independent. But I think that the, the risks are so great if we don't do that. One, we lose a lot of money. We lose a lot of time. We get burned out. Um, our, our mental health suffers. Our physical health suffers. And one of the things that we want least in the world is we end up letting down other people 
right? Because like we talked about before, we, you know, we equate our personal success with our business success and we want to prove ourselves to other people. And if we don't do this right, because we've got some ego and think we know all the answers, we're just going to prove them, you know, prove them right anyways. Right. Oh, sorry. It's okay. We can, we can go down this rabbit hole a lot. Because, <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know, it's like, I, I tell people all the time, it's like, you know, you can train all day to play the sport. You can train all day to be Tom Brady, but right. If you don't put the pads on and get on the field, there's no win here. I'm like, but I'm not talking about the Super Bowl where you come back from 29 points, right? Like the reason he was able to do that is because for 18 years, he was putting in the practice day after exactly. day after day after day after day. So he was completely unattached to whether or not they won that game. And of course he wanted to, but you know, it's just kind of like pilots flying, right? They train to be pilots because flying a plane is not about looking out the window. It's about trusting your instruments and knowing that they work and how to use them. And it's okay. Like, to, to understand, like, I, I mean, <laughs> I've literally lost, you know, a quarter of a million dollars in a day. I've lost 48 grand on an ad in an hour because I put a broken link in and these things were, we were spending $5 million a month, right? Like we've all been there and with those comes wisdom, right? And the thing here, and like, I don't want to be like a walking tweetable, but Mike Tyson's a genius, right? Like we all have a plan till we get punched in the face, right? Till an ad account gets shut down, till a competitor comes along, till we get a cease and desist, till something happens. And then really we might get knocked down, but it's really when you stand up and you're like, okay, you don't stand up and wait to get punched in the face again. You're going to duck, right? And the same thing with entrepreneurship, you stand up and you're like, wow, what did I miss? Like, where can I train differently? Where can I get my foundations better? Where can I get back to the basics to make sure this doesn't happen again so I have a reaction time or you know, preventative reaction? And that's really the name of the game. And that's why it's so important to have like community and accountability. But more importantly than anything as an entrepreneur, people that'll be honest with you, right? Like really people that'll be honest with you because I watch people all the time, like, you know, like my podcast and most of my courses I give away for free because I really don't care if I give you all the answers because only one of two things is going to happen. You're going to implement them and realize you never needed me in the first place. So I still win. Or number two, you're going to be like, I want your help. I don't want to implement this. I want to learn more. And I still win in that case too, right? But yeah. the same time is that the information is always going to be out there, right? Like you can find everything free online. You can find, you know, how to do this, how to do this, how to do this. And the truth is, is that all of that's great, but information does nothing. It's when you take it and you put it into a plan that's like focused and intentional and you literally look at yourself and you're like, okay, no quit, right? Like, I don't care if it gets a million views or one view, that's not why I'm doing it, but I'm going to see it all the way through. So when I get to the other side, there's at least a lesson for me in it. There's a lesson of what worked or there's a lesson of like, I did all of this. Here's the exact plan and it didn't work because at that point, you have the ability to reflect and be like, yes, we did this, that didn't work. We did this, this did work. But most people, they quit at 90%. Like they never even give themselves a chance to win the game. And then they're like, well, what do I do? I'm like, I don't actually know. Yeah. I was like, because I don't know what your time was. I don't know yep. what your results were because you quit too early. And so making sure that we're like focused and intentional with everything and including products, right? Like, I mean, like I've, I've managed a $750 million year ad budget for a company and then I look at mine and when I started running our own ads again after two years off, like, I think it took four months for one of them to get profitable. And I was like, man, am I qualified to teach this anymore? Like, what's going on? And it's yeah. like, no, I have to re-put in the licks, right? Things change. And then as you mean, remain consistent over and over and over again, 
eventually the path gets really clear and then you kind of nailed your focus and then you can expand from there. So Green. we could, I, we could do a 10 hour podcast on like focus and intentionality. All right. So we've talked a lot about, you know, like theory, you know, let, let's talk mm-hmm. about like, we all suck. We all make mistakes. We have to avoid them. You know, we have to, we have to gain some wisdom from others. We have to listen to other people. So let's talk about that right now. All right. What I want you to do is you've, you've sold e-commerce products. You've, you know, gone small, you've gone big, you've, you've done it all. When people are listening to this that are thinking about especially selling something e-commerce, doesn't matter what platform or, or whatever, it all comes down to a lot of things, you know, sourcing the right product, but also marketing. All right. Marketing is a big part of it, whether you're marketing just on your Amazon listing and then and following up and trying to use lead captures or you're marketing on, you know, social media ads when you're marketing with influencers, whatever it is. Let's give some actionable steps. And what I'd like for you to do is share some of like the biggest mistakes you see people make. Cause what we're talking, we've talked about before is like, I wish I could go back in time and realize I was screwing this up. So let's talk about like some of the biggest mistakes that you see people making marketing. And maybe someone that's listening will, will maybe even go, Oh man, like I think I'm doing that right now. And let's help them figure it out now, as opposed to six months from now, when they have to tell their spouse that they've completely, you know, spent their entire 401k savings on this crappy ambitious yeah. project. So there, there's two, the two biggest mistakes that I see kind of perpetuated across the board and we'll break them both down. Number one is that you only know where your customer is going to end up tomorrow, not 30, 60, 90, and 180 days from now. And number two is that you don't create the container and protect that journey so they can actually achieve results, right? So a breakdown number one. So when we think about it, and I'll use one of my companies as an example, right? So Crazy Muscle is one of my supplement companies. You might know Max Kang actually is my business partner, um, but Crazy Muscle, right? So we have supplements. We have a supplement called Threatine, right? It's our most popular product, you know. Um, and so when we think about it, what most people will do is they're like, okay, I found this product. It's the best product on the market, right? Like we're going to sell this product. They spend all their time on the front end, right? Like literally 90% of their effort and budget on like what ads we have, the sales page, the landing page, the copy, right? And then somebody buys the product and then it's crickets on the back end, right? Like literally crickets. Yep. And what I tell people in e-commerce, the biggest fear is not that nobody buys my product. The biggest fear is that somebody buys my product and doesn't use it or achieve the results I promised. Because if they don't buy it, I'm not worried about it. If they buy it and don't achieve the results, I'm creating an anti-marketing machine. But yet the mistake that I see is everybody focuses so much on the courting and then they get people to marry them and they never do the work to maintain the marriage. And for all of us that are married, you understand that like, it doesn't just work itself, right? Same thing with customer journeys. You're basically entering into a monogamous relationship with every one of your customers. So the first thing that I do is like, if you're selling a product and it doesn't matter the product, if you have not insured a hundred percent that you can put your head on the pillow and a hundred percent of the people who buy my product have every chance of succeeding. And so let's say you have a product like with customer journeys, there's really only two, um, paths it can go. It's either duration or direction, right? And duration is like you have a product that has to be used for 14 days. Well, of course, that customer journey should be 14 days, right? If it's direction, like here's our protocol, it should be as however long is required to teach that protocol, right? And so when you're doing this, it's like, yeah, everybody focuses on the front, but if you focus on the back, like, okay, cool. Once they buy that product, it's going to take seven days to get to them. What are the things that I can tell them to make sure when the box comes, it doesn't go in the pantry and become shelf help, right? Like put it next to your nightstand. Hey, the pills are going to be a little big. Make sure you cut them in half. This is the best way to take them and the best time to take them. And here's your plan. And then once they have it, knowing that it takes 30 days to achieve results with my supplement, 
having a customer journey via email or social or something designed so that they're not getting any distractions besides that product. So at the end of that 21 day or that 30 day mark that I've literally been like, I've given them everything as my ideal client. And there's only one of two things. They've achieved it and completed it. And they're like my dream client or they didn't take it, but I added all the value and they'll wait until they're ready to take it, right? But you can't lose that game. Anybody who unsubscribes from those emails, tells you they don't like their product or you're giving free value, isn't your customer in the first place. So yeah. love them, send them on their way and be there. So that's one way. And then the second thing is not protecting that journey, right? And so this is what I'll say. And, and this is notorious in e-commerce, right? Everybody will tell you like upsells, downsells, like maximize your, your AOV on the front end, right? So you can spend more money on ads. And I was like, yes, you're literally maximizing your one night stands <laughs> and decreasing your likelihood of having a positive relationship, right? And so yeah. it's like, yeah, you might squeeze out $17 on the front end because you sold them a product. You're like, oh, wait, do you want three more? Or, oh, you said no, do you want it at half the price? But you'll never get a returning customer, right? And so you're taking that option off the table. And so if you protect that journey and you deliver on what's promised, right? So somebody buys my supplement, this is what I see. Somebody buys a supplement, it'll be three days, it hasn't even shipped yet, but yet on day four, they get a sales email for another product that they didn't even know you had. And number one, it's like you're devaluing the fact that they already paid you. Number two, they haven't even gotten the product that you sold them and now you're emailing them and telling them they need something else, all you're doing is increasing your likelihood of returns, of refunds, and of people not using your product because you're not protecting that journey. And so you have to make sure that you're intentional and methodical, just like you are with your product. You wouldn't go to a manufacturer like, I want these two ingredients and you figure out the other eight, right? Or I only want this one feature. You tell me the rest. Like, you know exactly what that product wants to look like, exactly how you want it to be used. And you have to take that same approach to your customers. And so utilize the power of relationships and the power of these journeys to ensure that they can achieve it. Because the difference being, and I'll give you a tangible example of a supplement company. I came into a supplement company that was selling a supplement and they were selling subscription on the front. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? And I was like, but I just feel like the churn's a little high. And the, the, the average retention was like three and a half months, like in a rebuilding cycle. Yeah, it's pretty low. And I was like, I was like, what I think is happening is that they're not utilizing the product. So by the time that third shipment comes, they have more product than they need because they haven't taken it consistently. And then they cancel, right? And I was like, so now, you know, like our, our lifetime value is like $108. And I was like, so let's remove the subscription on the front. Let's sell them the one canister and let's email them every day for 30 days and then put them on subscription. And it went from three and a half months to 14 and a half months. And I basically 8X the company without changing anything else except being intentional, intentional and methodical about that customer journey. And literally... The first seven days were all the mistakes people make, don't do this, do this. And then every day was a new way to use the product, right? And it was just accountability, right? Like use it in your smoothies, use it in your yep. coffee. If you have any questions, here's recipes. But it was a social trigger for them over and over and over. So then when they finally committed, they already had a base habit of using the product. And then they committed. And then on the back end, then they're adding other products, right? They're adding other, you know, line extensions. And now instead of like, swapping products. They're like, oh, I'm going to keep this one and I'm going to add this one and I'm going to add this one. And so be methodical and intentional about that customer journey. And we have to remember people aren't buying the best product. They're buying the best relationship. Yep. And when somebody buys a product, whether you realize this or not, 
they are advocating their own responsibility in achieving the goal. And they are expecting that because they paid you with their credit card, that you are the one that's going to deliver the results. And so once you understand that, you can be intentional about that and think through that. So knowing that they're in their before state and they want to be somewhere 30 days later, you have to know where they want to be 30 days later, how you're going to get them there. But then also when that's complete, where they're going to be 90 days later and 180 days later. And you might be like, I don't have any other products. I'm like, you might not need to. It might just be content to help hold them accountable, to keep you know, using it. And it's really imperative because you know, marketing... I think everybody has a really kind of skewed vision of what digital marketing is. And they think that it's like some way of a different world, but it really isn't. It's just faster touch point of the real world. And 86% yep. of marketing is still word of mouth, right? And there's yep. only five reasons that people share on social media, education, humor, controversy, credibility, and social status. And I avoid the controversy, but if you don't give people one of those things to share, or one of those things to use your product, that means you're leaving space for them to share whatever they want, right? And so they buy a product, you don't help them use it, they don't achieve the results, then they blame you. They post on social, they leave negative reviews, they you know, do things to go against you because you haven't really held them accountable like we promised. And so being intentional about knowing that entire journey to the best of your ability, and then the second part is protecting that journey and making sure that you're going all the way with everybody. And so... You know, an email that's really easy. They buy a product, give them the fulfillment, get them to use it and protect them. Don't send them coupons. Don't send them sales until they've completed that journey. But when you think about social, go deep, not wide. Don't try to be on nine platforms, right? Yep. Like if you know that the majority of your audience and your engagement is coming from Instagram, but everyone's like, oh, you should be on Pinterest and Facebook and well, screw them. You can listen to them when they agree to pay your bills when what they tell you doesn't work. That's when you can listen to them, right? And so your audience is telling you where they are. So focus and go deep and go all the way and ensure that like, hey, we're doing this all the way, like the best of our ability. This is the Instagram we want. This is how we want to stand. Every customer is being responded to. The content is on point. It's there. We're kind of bored. We have four more hours a day. What should we do now? And then you add another platform in addition. You don't dilute your ability to go deep on that first platform by trying to go wide everywhere. And so those are some of the tactical things. That's awesome. And, and focusing is tough in this world when like shiny object syndrome is so prevalent. Cause every time we turn around, there's a new hack, there's a new method, there's a new plan, there's a new strategy. And like, sometimes we forget about just good old fashioned business basics or like we're, we're so wrapped up in X when we haven't even finished Y, you know? So I think that's good advice. So those of you that are listening, I asked George that like, the two biggest mistakes he sees people making. So if he said all that and you're like, your eyes kind of glazed over because you didn't get it all, take the time to rewind that and listen to it again because I think what he just said was profound, right? And, and George, you've got a lot of history in business. You've coached a lot of entrepreneurs. So I think that you probably have some credibility in that space. So for, for those of you who are listening, if you were expecting him to say something like, oh, you don't have, you know, professional product listings or you're not listing on Pinterest. You know, I'm sorry. He, he told you like it was. Go back and listen to that and apply what he's saying to everything. Even, you know, what, what people consider easy e-com, you know, um, arbitrage selling on Amazon, for example. Those same principles you can do. Like you can go back and you can, you can talk to those clients again. You can continue to engage with them. Like there's a lot of things you can do. 
even if it's as simple as like subscribe and save on Amazon. Like that's not as in depth as what George is talking about, but it's still a way to continue to target them and continue to act with them and not just worry about making that sale kind of hit it and quit it. Like we're actually having a relationship. I don't know if I was supposed to say hit it and quit it on this podcast, but I'm the host. I'm okay I, can, with it. I, I, it. I guess I can get away with it. Right. <laughs> so yeah, there we go. And then to put a wrapping paper on that, Tim, I think too, and, and you know this more than anybody the number one foundational principle that I think most businesses miss is consistency, Amen. right? And consistency yep. will trump intensity every single day. And the tortoise and the hare. Yep. It's probably the biggest secret. Cause like I have a marketing law I teach my students, right? And I'm like, everybody has to feel valuable whether they give you their credit card or not. Right. You don't run a business if their success is predicated on having to pay you. That's called high-end prostitution just to be clear, right? And so like, it's like Nike being like, just do it today. Maybe I'll do it tomorrow. You can only do it if you pay me, right? Or Apple being like, you can't come in my store unless you pre-purchase. Like you do realize that Apple would knock half of their yearly revenue off the table by not allowing people to window shop, right? Yep. But yet we'll go to digital marketing and somehow people think it's okay to do that. No, you have to have a container to hold people and to help people and to guide them because there's only four types of customer journeys that you know somebody can take. And so what I tend people to try to tell people to do is to think about your business like it's Apple, but online, right? Like, is it set up that like somebody drives by and the only way they can be in a relationship with your company is if they give you $80 or $1,000 or $2,000 and ask yourself like, would this work for Apple? Would this work for Walmart? Would this work for shopping malls, right? Like think about all the window shopping we do. No. Because a customer journey is not linear. It's a series of touch points and nodes. And, you know, pre-pandemic, you know, the average customer journey was 50 touch points. For when somebody was like, I want to weigh protein, so I'm going to give you $60, was 50 touch points. Now we're upwards of like 75 to 150. And like, look at our buying cycle, right? Like, we'll add something to our cart. We'll leave it. We'll go read reviews. We'll go on social. We'll come back six yep. days later. We add it to a wish list. And then eventually we buy it, right? And you have to set up your business to have that container so people can come in and you are consistently sharing the same message over and over again and guiding them and leading them wherever they are in their journey, which starts from knowing who they are, communicating them, being consistent, and then doing the things that I talked about because that's the only way to guarantee success. Like you, you could tell me all day like, oh, that's not what they did. And I'm like, you can give me any e-commerce story, any case study. And if I took you under the hood, I would show you the exact same thing over and over and over and over again. And, and one example... You know, one of my supplement companies, I took from $1.2 million a month to $2 million a day in 18 months. And everyone's like, oh, but their website, it's amazing. It's so, it's so custom. It's so everything. I said, we did $100 million on a $79 Shopify template with two products. We didn't even build a custom website until we'd already done 100 million with two products. And it was the district theme on Shopify for $79. And all we did was change the colors with two products. We used two social media channels with two products with a Shopify default theme to $100 million in revenue before we even paid for a custom site to be done. Wow. And so when you focus on the right things, which is the customer and solving a problem, whether they give you their credit card or not, and really, really understanding that entire journey from as far away as possible, like they've never heard of you, they might see you on an ad, somebody might talk about you too. They've been in your business for two years and you've literally changed their life. Until you've really understood and mapped that whole thing, 
there's no business in getting distracted. You have to go deep until you understand that entire game because it's the only way to win. Awesome. Well, I know that we're running out of time where I was told, hey, try to keep these to less than like 40 minutes. And that just, I don't see that happening because I get on tangents. And there's just so much good stuff here. So if you guys want it shorter, just turn it on like the, the 1.5, you know, speed, like just, just play it faster. You'll catch in more. So George, there's so many other things that I want to talk to you and ask you about. I'll have to have you again on or on again later because there's some other rabbit trails to run down with you. We just don't have time. But before we go, tell people how they can get in touch with you. Yeah, the best place to get a hold of me, and I'll keep this really easy, is just go to mindofgeorge.com, M-I-N-D-O-F-G-E-O-R-G-E.com. Uh, it's my podcast website, but also all my free courses and content. We put out a free video every day and a free podcast every day or every other day, and they're all basically singular focused. Listen to it, put it into action, come back to like 10 to 12 minutes. And so um, anything my team and I can do to support any of you, just mindofgeorge.com is the easiest place. We're linked on Instagram there, but that's the best place to start. And uh, we'll do anything we can to support you. Awesome. And guys, he said free. So you free. can't be free. So go to mindofgeorge.com, check that out, and make sure to continue learning because like we said before, we all suck. But the way that we get better is really hard lessons. And sometimes we can flatten the curve of learning. Ooh, that's, I'm using new popular lingo in the COVID-19 stage. We can flatten the curve of those hard lessons if we listen to other people that have navigated those muddy waters before us and are spitting out some insight. So George, thank you so much for being on. I appreciate it. We're going to wrap up. Those of you that are listening, make sure you subscribe to AMPM podcast, like us on YouTube, like the Facebook page, all that good stuff. You know how to track us down and we will see you guys on the next episode.